everyone. Welcome to episode 87 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we are so excited to be here together today. We are at our local library. Guilford Free Library in Guilford, Connecticut. It's a gorgeous fall day. The leaves are changing. The winds are blowing. It's been kind of nice and rainy, which I love nice moody weather. Yes, I lit my first fire in the fireplace yesterday. So, um... The cooler temperatures have arrived, and we're here recording today because my son Jacob showed up a day early and surprised me, which was great, but we were scheduled to record in my living room as per usual, so I got on the phone to the library, and sure enough, they had space for us, which is so nice. They always come to our rescue. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> so we wanted to mention a few things before we get into our regular segments. We're really excited to announce that we're now available, the podcast, on Spotify. Which is exciting. Yes. And I guess Spotify has a new feature where you can make podcast lists, just like how you can make a list, like your favorite song list, Mm -hmm. you can make a podcast list. So feel free to add Book Cougars to that list. (laughs) And there are so many changes going on right now. iTunes is no more Mm -hmm. on newer computers going forward. They have split iTunes into the different categories like they show up on your phone. So there's music category, or I should say a music app, a podcast app, and a TV app. With the podcast app, if you do the upgrade on your laptop or desktop, you can now search podcasts by host name, by subject, just stronger search functionality for podcasts directly, which is pretty cool. It's very cool. So like if you have a favorite author you could search by their name and see the multitude of podcasts that they show up on yeah which is a really nice feature it is cool and the thing too like just reminder if you have people in your life who don't know what podcasts are show them on their smartphone i've met some people recently who are like what is a podcast so i'll say do you have a smartphone and they're like yeah so i'll show them on their phone where that podcast app is and yeah, and it's, it's just I think it's just great. It's just a, a great way to be connected and to find conversations about your own interests, whether it's books or weaving or personal growth, right? Woodworking. I mean, right. there's everything out there. Business, you mm-hmm. know, politics. It's all available. Sports. Yeah, we could go on and on. <laughs> we also want to remind everybody that we have a read along coming up with. Min Jin Lee, Free Food for Millionaires, and we'll be recording with Min on October 30th. Yes, we're looking forward to that so much to talk with her about the book, and we want to encourage you all to submit your questions to Min about Free Food for Millionaires, because it'd be great to include your comments as well, right. questions, I should say. Yeah, or all of the above, comments yeah. too. I also wanted to mention uh, author Jess Montgomery who wrote the book, The Widows. She was with us um, as an author spotlight on episode 68. We both loved the book. Yeah, that that was the one about the first woman sheriff in Ohio. Right. Just really good. And the second in the series, The Hollows, is coming out in 2020. And I subscribe to Jess's newsletter. So I wanted to mention author newsletters because I'm not sure if people know about them. Yeah. Authors now, you know, most of them have a website, and the website will list, you know, their their books, and lots of them have a blog where they might update you on various things happening in their life, and it's a way to kind of get to know the author on a deeper level. But then many of them now have newsletters so that you can actually subscribe with your email address, and they'll send you, most of them I would say are monthly or 
a quarterly or when they get the urge. Right. <laughs> so Jess, I get her newsletter, which I believe does come out monthly, and she is a pie chef. She loves to make pies, and there was there was pie in the widows. And one of the parts that I love about her newsletter is that there's a pie recipe in every one with pictures of pie, and it's very inspiring to me. But they'll also tell you some exciting kind of inside information. So in this last newsletter, she mentioned that not only is the second book coming out, The Hollows, in 2020, but she's been contracted for the third and the fourth in the series which is really exciting. Totally. So if you're a total book nerd and you have some favorite authors, I think subscribing to newsletters is a lot of fun. It also, um, lots of times, they'll tell you about their upcoming events. Absolutely, yeah. I know One of the newsletters I've been subscribed to for quite a while is Louise Penny's. And on the first of every month, she sends one out. Wow. She never misses the first of the month. It's like, that is my indicator to turn my calendar and everything because <laughs> I got... Louise Penny's newsletter, um, but a lot of uh, writing advice tries to encourage writers, if you are going to do this, to do it more consistently than just whenever you have a book come out. Yeah. Because it's like with anything, if you're only just pitching your product when you have something new to buy, it kind of can rub readers the wrong way, mm -hmm. and, you know, depending yeah. on how you approach that. And other people be like, oh my God, great, I haven't heard from her in six months and she has a new book coming out, I'm so happy to know. That's the other side of that story, but right. I know a lot of the, the quote experts encourage authors to do, if you're going to do it monthly or weekly or quarterly, just be consistent. Yeah. So that your readers get into a flow with you. Yeah, and they can count on you, kind yeah. of. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love newsletters because I think as a geeky nerd book person, I love to know what writers are doing. Yeah. I love behind the scenes stuff Yeah, when they share that, like what's going on from their writing technique to their research exploits or whatever they're doing. I think it's just so much fun to get that window into their world. Right, or pie. Pie, exactly. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of pie. That's right. <laughs> we also had a fun jaunt together where we went to RJ Julia's and met one of our listeners. Yes. And her husband, Tressa and Mike. From Portland, Oregon. They were out on the East Coast doing a big biblio adventure. They visited tons of author homes and museums and, and different places here in New England. And they, they stayed in Guilford for a couple days and... We got to meet them. It was so much fun. We went out for breakfast and just had a wonderful chat with them. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I'm ready to hire Tressa to set up my next vacation. <laughs> their their jaunt was amazing. Was. They covered serious territory. They saw a show on Broadway. I mean, they really did yeah. it, did the East Coast well. And it was just so neat to sit down and meet them and, and talk. And yeah. And like any joint book lover, we probably could have spent the entire day oh, yes. talking. So um, so thank you, Tressa, for stopping by to say hello. And then I also think she goes down in the books as our first dual donor. Is that the way to say it? She has um, given us a donation twice. Yeah, so thank, thank you, Tressa. We really appreciate that. Um, Chris just spent some money on on the book cougars and we are going to get some new equipment it's ordered yes audio equipment to help us on the road because i think in the past we talked about trying to record just with the iphone when we're on the road and it doesn't work very well so we bought a zoom h6 dun, 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 dun. recorder <laughs> so we will be taking you on our biblio adventures a, a bit more frequently 
And with better sound quality, we hope. Yes. So thanks to all of our Patreon sponsors and folks who do submit uh, donations. We so appreciate it. It really helps us with this passion project. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So, Chris, what are you currently reading? Well, I'm currently reading Free Food for Millionaires for our read-along. I, I just finished the first part and loved it. Like, I I don't know what I was expecting, but, you know, because we both read Pachinko and loved it. Pachinko is a historical family saga, and Free Food for Millionaires focuses on Casey Han, who is a recent graduate from Princeton, Korean-American, trying to figure life out. So I'm loving it so far. I got immediately sucked into the storyline, and I did have to put it down because I had to pick up The Professor's House by Willa Cather for the Willa Cather Book Club, which is next week. So I'm reading both of those right now. Excellent. How about you? I'm reading The Gifted School by Bruce Holsinger. This book just came out in July, and um, our friend Jana recommended it to me. I think she read it months ago as an ARC, and she said, Emily, you have to get your hands on this book. (laughs) And I think I got it when it first came out, and then it was one of those that got sucked back off my Kindle, you know. So I'm enjoying it. It's very reminiscent of what's happening with the college scandal in our country right now, where, you know, parents have been accused of going through all sorts of back doors and channels and spending money to try to get their children into highbrow schools. This, I'm, I'm just newly starting it, and but it's um, kids who are in high school, middle school and high school, and a gifted school is opening. And so it's, you know, mo- different characters and their parents and, you know, so how some parents are like, oh, just let your kids be and learn the way they want to learn. Mm-hmm. And others are like cutthroat, you know, I want my kid in the gifted school, you know. So it's fun so far. I would like to, I'm reading it as an ebook, and it's one of those that's kind of multimedia. Like there's a chapter that begins where one of the teenagers is doing her vlog, you know, and talking to her people on Instagram or whatever. So on an e-reader, some of that stuff can look kind of odd, mm. you know. So actually, when we're done today, I was going to see if there's a copy here and might maybe just flip through it and see what it looks like. That's cool. Yeah. His name is so familiar. Do you know what else he's written? You know, he was a Booktopia author, and it was something like The Burning something. Let me look it up. really familiar. Yeah, I know that people really enjoyed him when he was at Booktopia. I think he's very personable, and I believe he's a professor. A burnable book. A burnable book. A burnable okay. book was the book he, um, I believe he was um, at Booktopia up in Northshire with okay. that book. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I didn't read that book, but his name, I know. So thanks yeah. for looking that up. Sure. So what have you just read? I finished Free Food for Millionaires <laughs> by Min Jin Lee. It's hilarious <laughs> to me. It's 700 pages. I have been on this huge deadline for work, and I thought it—I thought it was going to be a real challenge. For I know me to I was get kind the book of, read. I was worried about you yeah. a little bit because I knew you had those pressing deadlines, and but it was the perfect escape from that work. You know, it's right. one of those where you do. I mean, I was working these long days, and it was at the end of the day. I just needed to completely turn off, mm-hmm. and I was able to escape into her characters. It's such a fantastic book. I highly, highly recommend it. 
I'm not going to talk about it since we're going to be talking about it in such depth at the end of the month. But I will say that I did both read it and listen to it. And I did not love the narrator, hmm, interesting. but I was at a, I did a couple trips back and forth to my gentleman callers, which is an hour away. So I had four hours of okay. driving time. So I did, you know, get through some of the book that way. And I wasn't in love with the narrator. So I think had I not been pretty, I mean, I think I didn't start the audio until I was deep into book one, probably, you know at least 150 pages or so in. So I really knew who the characters were and that sort of thing. I think if I had just done the audio, I would have been a little confused. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So. All right. And I also read a book called Ask Again, Yes by Mary Beth Keene. This was the one I was holding that I talked about that was like holding up under the lights waiting for my vacation. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know? And it did not disappoint. Good. I cannot tell you how highly I recommend this book. I give it all the stars there are to give. I think it's a sleeper. And I think part of that is, I don't mean like it makes you sleep. I meant like people don't realize how good it is. I think it's an odd title. I mean, even when I've tried, I was just talking to Jacob about it this morning and I kept saying the name wrong. Okay. And I said, I wonder if that's part of why, you know, like you read this book and you want to recommend it to people. And I think I told him it was called Maybe Again Tomorrow or something, you know. I mean, granted, I'm terrible with names. It's a family saga about immigrants from Ireland coming over to this country who live in pretty much like current day-ish in the 70s. Um, That's not really current day now. It's not, isn't it? like 50 years ago. It's so funny. (laughs) Well... In the 70s, let's just say that. And um, there, it starts off with two um, gentlemen who are training to be police officers. And they end up marrying and living in this neighborhood in the suburbs of New York, which I guess is, I think, Queens. Is that right? Okay. Or I might be confusing that with Free Food for Millionaires now. <laughs> but And then a tragedy occurs. And I'm not going to spoil that by any stretch, but it follows characters before, during, and after this tragedy. And it's a lot of what I think the book is about is about marriage and how we go through these lives partnered with people in our families and the branches of our families and how we interact with each other and how a tragedy affects those relationships. Yeah. And her writing is so beautiful. I mean, I am not one to put a book down and then open it back up and just read passages again. And I found myself doing that with this book because I just didn't want to be done with it. That's great. Yeah. Beautiful. So, Ask Again, Yes, Mary Beth Keene, super high recommendation from me. Nice. Well, I read a couple since last time, and one of them was an audio book that I had started months ago. And you know, got embroiled in other things, but I picked it back up again. It's Why Religion, a personal story by Elaine Pagels, the historian of religion, who's probably most known for the Gnostic Gospels, her work on the Gnostic Gospels. And so this audiobook, it's a memoir. It was narrated by Lindy Hauk, who did an excellent job. I felt like she really nailed the tone and the cadence and everything for the content of the book. Elaine Pagels, I had no idea about her life story, um, but I, when I saw this book at the bookstore, I was in, immediately attracted to it, and her name popped out to me. Just a brief overview of her. She was married to a man, um, Heinz Pagels, who was a well-known physicist, 
and they had a son who was born with a rare lung disease and uh, didn't uh, survive it. He died mm. very young. And then a year later, Heinz died mm. in a tragic mountain hiking accident. So here is Elaine Pagels, a historian of Christianity and religion, struggling with this profound grief and two different kinds of grief, like knowing that your child is going to die and dealing with his health care and that inevitability for years. And then to be slowly recovering from that and her husband dies so shockingly. This story is about how she dealt with that. It was about, I mean, and it's unlike any other memoir I've ever read because she so deftly weaves her work her love and her life together mm-hmm. that it's it's I wouldn't say it's like seamless it's beyond that it's like it's just this beautiful story of how her research both helped her and you know with her life circumstances and it also her life circumstances you know compelled that research into different areas of how throughout history have people dealt with issues of grief and you know, turning to religion, what does it do? She looks at anthropology and science and philosophy. It's just such a rich book yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. And it's smart, but it's not overly intellectual at all. But she does blast a lot of those lame Christian platitudes that people say to other people who are in grief and facing tragedy, like, you know, God only gives us as much as we can handle. And right. God took them home and all that bullshit that just does nothing but enrage you when you're in the midst of grief because mm-hmm. it's so trite and mm-hmm. ridiculous. And it's like, what are you, what do you even mean? Yeah. It was a fantastic read. I highly recommend it for people who might be interested in a scholar's life because you really, she talks early on how she first got into Christianity because she wasn't raised in a Christian home, how she got into her study of it, went to grad school. And then meeting Heinz, who was a physicist, and here she is a religious scholar, and just how their research informed each other's work. Yeah, how and, interesting. And, what a, that's a very interesting pairing. Yeah, and then their their love and their relationship just seemed to be such a true partnership. And I love the word partnership mm-hmm. for relationships because I think that is just a great word and a great concept for a relationship to be a true partnership in that way. So, again, that was Why Religion, a personal story by Elaine Pagels. I also finally did read Louise Penny's A Better Man, her latest entry in the Chief Inspector Gamache series. And I have to say it wasn't one of my favorites. I saw that on Goodreads. I've been waiting to hear what you had to say about it. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it. I actually had at one point I thought about Deanna yet, which was like, I know, right? But I thought, I'll just press on, because I do like her writing style. I enjoy the the characters very much. This story centered on a domestic abuse and potential murder situation. Mm -hmm. And Penny always has a really great sub story going on, too. And I thought this time, the weakness of the novel was that they were not very well entwined at all. There was too much time lagging between the two storylines sometimes that when the other one came back in it was kind of like wait what and not in a good way Mm. so I I thought that was it needed better editing 
Sorry, editor. It needed, um, how can I say that? It needed stronger editing, mm-hmm. I think. A little stronger hand in shaping those two storylines so that it meshed a little bit better together. Sometimes I wonder with the authors that put the, you know, a book out a year and there's such a high expectation, mm-hmm. people just, you know, chomping at the book, at the at the bit to get the book that was hard to say (laughs) that you know they are a little forced and you know pushed out and maybe it's like you know this one maybe we won't hit the deadline right yeah yeah so again it was you know it was it was a good story it's a good mystery don't get me wrong like louise penny is i think up there like she is one of the best mystery writers in the world right now so even this one, which may not be her strongest, is still a fantastic read. It just wasn't as smooth as some of her earlier novels. Um, so that was A Better Man by Louise Penny. Now remind me, is that the 14th? I don't know if it's the 14th or the 15th. Okay. And gosh darn it, I didn't bring my copy. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I know it's yeah. a lot. So just a reminder to people that this is a series that people love. They have Three Pines love for it. Isn't that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, it's, it's set in a village in Quebec called Three Pines, right. which is a fictional village. It's just a series where you love the characters and you love the setting of Three Pines because it just seems like such a great place to live. And people always say, like, the first one isn't necessarily the best, so get through the first one and then keep going. Right. So that's yeah. if you're looking for a good, cool weather read to get lost in a new author yeah louise penny she's totally a yeah she's really amazing and and the way she weaves all of these books together is amazing and i have to say there's a huge life change for one of the characters in this book one of the primary characters and i don't know i mean i'm looking forward already to the next book because i want to see what she does with that and where she goes. Well, so that's saying something. She oh, yeah. did leave you hanging. In Absolutely, a good way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just—I just enjoy the. She always has some such good balance between light and dark, evil and good, and that we are—you know—people are not necessarily one or the other all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, enjoyed it very much. I read something else while I was on vacation. I took with me Matthew Dick's new book, 21 Truths About Love. This comes out in November. I believe it comes out. You know, it's funny, though. The book, the ARC says it comes out in October. Goodreads says it comes out in November. Okay. So, I don't know. More on that, I guess. But we're going to have Matthew on later in October, hopefully, or maybe into November. We'll see. It's a book written in lists. It is hilarious. I loved it. And it's just about a, you know, a guy who decided to purchase a bookstore and he's in a relationship with his wife and he's having all sorts of financial trouble and he's also estranged from his father and he just uses lists literally to write this entire book. That's awesome. You have a lot of tabbies. I have a lot of tabbies because I have a lot of things I want to talk to Matthew about when we get the chance. But some of the tabs, what was fun is um, he has lists, I think it's once a week, for the name of his bookstore is called A New Chapter. And he has a list called A New Chapter Picks of the Month for February. And he'll have a list of books. And in several of the lists, he has fellow Booktopian authors' books from Santa Cruz, which was 
the Booktopia, he's been to several Booktopias, but that's the Booktopia where I met him. It was my first Booktopia. So he'll, like he had Silver Sparrow by Tayari Jones and The Baker's Daughter by Sarah McCoy. So I started to just mark them because it was cracking me up that's that fantastic. he did that. And I thought, what a cool way to shout out you know, your fellow authors, but also, like, how hard it must have been to choose those lists, because there are so many yeah. wonderful books, but I thought that was a really fun That's little so thing. Booktopia lives on! Exactly, exactly. So, it's, I just thought it was hilarious. I laughed out loud. I, Jim and I were reading, you know, on the couch in this place we rented on vacation, and I just kept laughing out loud, and he would ask me at the first few laughs, and then finally I think he was like, Keep those laughs to yourself. I'm trying to read, too. Yeah, I'm trying to read a book about war and death. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, it, I really enjoyed it. 21 Truths About Love by Matthew Dix. Cute cover, too. Yeah, it's a very cute cover. It's like a stack of books. Yeah. Nice. I read another one that I really enjoyed. It's a mystery by a debut novelist called Ain't Nobody Nobody. Heather Harper Ellett is the author's name. This came out in September. I reviewed it for Criminal Element. Absolutely loved this novel. She is a fantastic new voice in the mystery world. Ain't Nobody Nobody is set in East Texas in the Pine Country. It centers around a man who is the former sheriff of the county who lost his job, I think about two years ago, or two years prior to the start of the novel. He's also mourning the death by suicide of his best friend, his mm. lifelong buddy that he grew up with. And he's trying to t- kind of take care of this man's mom and daughter who live within telescope <laughs> viewing <laughs> or, you know, uh, what, what, not binoculars. Tele- binoculars, that's it, right? So he has his binoculars out and occasionally looks and sees if they need anything because they're not really talking with him either. Oh, God. There's a big backstory on why. Um, but a dead body is found on the property hanging over a fence. Oof. Also what's going on is there's a huge wild hog problem. They are destroying things. They're just out of control. I guess hogs reproduce like nobody's business and they're eating things and destroying things. I think I mentioned when I first started talking about this book a couple episodes ago is something I had just started reading. The opening scene is about him slaughtering a hog. Right. And I thought, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this book. But that is, it's not gratuitous. It really does show you something about his character as a person um, because he, he does it swiftly and well and there's, there's a reason for everything in mm-hmm. the book. But great story great mystery it revolves a bit around or it's based a bit on a true case and i won't say much about the details because i think it's good to let this story kind of unfold for the reader but if you want a book that's set in texas with unique characters who are quirky but not you know saccharine sweet like sometimes southern fiction can veer into that where it becomes a little comic this isn't yeah. that. This is a bit gritty. One of the comparisons was to what is that show where the guy is like he becomes he's a teacher who becomes a meth dealer. Oh, um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, somebody compared it to that. I don't like Breaking Bad. I couldn't even get through one episode. 
So don't if you see that comparison and you don't like Breaking Bad, don't let it scare you away. <laughs> right. Okay, but exactly. on the other hand, if yeah. you do like Breaking Bad, you'll probably right. like this book. Great voice, uh, really interesting characters. Yeah. I, ha- I have to say, Chris, that I'm a little flummoxed that you don't like wild boar blood splatter, but human blood splatter is okay with you. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Animals and children. I just I have a hard time dealing with them when they're harmed in books. I think that's it's you know, lovely. but adults it shows that you have a kind heart. Oh yeah, <laughs> adults are on their own apparently. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that again, that was ain't nobody nobody. Heather Harper Ellett. And again, it's her debut novel, and I thought it was friggin' fantastic. That's a great great read. Highly recommended. I I think men and women would like this. I know, you know, gendering books is kind of dumb. Gendering books is kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a better word. But as a former bookseller, I know firsthand that a lot of men just will not read mystery novels by women. I tried to get guys to read Patricia Cornwell. Lisa Scottolini, Louise Penny. So many of them just don't want to go there for some reason. Hmm. But I think this would be a, a great one. All right. Yeah. And the holidays are approaching. They are approaching. I DNF'd a book. <gasps> I know. Emily Fine. I know. Wow. And it's kind of plaguing me because I'm going to see this author. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so many of our friends who I have similar reading tastes to five-starred this book. Interesting. Yeah. The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Really? Yeah. Shocking. I think it it had nothing to do with the writing. Her writing's beautiful. The story was interesting. It was just so dark and sad. It's about the AIDS epidemic, the start of the AIDS epidemic in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I don't mean in Chicago, but, you know, it took place in Chicago. And it it was going back and forth in time. And I think part of it for me was... The darkness, but also so many characters. And, you know, I struggle with that. And I was working hard, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And then I just thought, it was depressing me. That's the truth. Okay. It was depressing me. Yeah. So I finally just had to put it, gave it back to the library. I put it in the slot, and I felt such relief when I did. I was like, okay, this is yeah. your pleasure reading, yeah. Emily, you know. Yeah. But books I don't finish plague me. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that I will come back to it at some point, especially I, I think what might happen is when I go to see her and, and hear her speak, then mm-hmm. I might be intrigued to pick it back up. So okay. Yeah. anyone out there who loved it, feel free to get in touch with me and offer encouragement. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm debating whether or not to pick up the Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison, which I've been reading. Yeah. I put it down because of other things. Yeah. And I don't. I was enjoying it, but I don't know if I'll go back to it or not. I was struck by something Alyssa said on our last episode about even when you're an enjo- when you're enjoying a book, it could be good, but you know there's so many other things to read when you read a lot that nah, I'll you know let it go. Yeah. I'm kind of on the fence with that. Yeah. Yeah. Which surprises me in some ways. Because I did, I, I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'll, I'll look. And I read another paragraph. I'm like, oh, so beautiful. I mean, I love the writing and the care. But there's nothing really compelling me to get back to it at this point. Yeah. I'd much rather continue on the professor's house, jump more into free food for millionaires. Like, they're just more yeah. pressing books at this point. So. Yeah, and I just love a book that I want to get lost in. Not that I look at, you know, on my coffee table and go, oh. I know. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, it's like, you know, yeah. having that required class that you have to take that right. you're not really into. Even if you do love learning, it is more of a burden sometimes, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Or the work you have to do. I mean, you know, I have things on my to-do list every day that I feel that way about. So it's like, why would I do that in my reading life, you right. know? Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. So did you go on any Biblio adventures? I did. I went on a surprise Biblio adventure to see Bobby Flay. I I was so shocked when I saw that picture in such a good way. I was so happy. So our friend Chris from Indiana was in town visiting. She was actually flipping through our local newspaper. We're all sitting around and she's looking and she's like, oh my God, Bobby Flay is going to be in town. I was like, yeah, through R.J. Julia in Madison. He's going to be at uh, the Countryside School. Delia Owens. I was like, do you want to go? And she's like, yeah. So we got tickets and Chris and I went because Laura was working that night. And he was in conversation with Faith Middleton, who's a local NPR personality here in Connecticut. I have watched Bobby Flay on TV. I don't remember which show it was. It's the one with Giada where their cooks are coming in and competing to be the next yeah, chef like or whatever. Yeah, it's like Iron Chef or Top Chef or something, something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, looking for the next star. Yeah. So I'm familiar with him from that show. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the event. He was much warmer and more personable and funny in person than he is on that show. On the show, he just seems so stern. Right, cutthroat you know, or whatever. I really enjoyed the event. It was packed. Um, I think they did sell out. Wow. I think they did. But we did notice that a lot of people were grabbing their books and leaving. Because they, they were pre-signed. He didn't, it wasn't a meet and greet at all. Okay. Um, so the books were pre-signed and you pick them up. So the auditorium itself wasn't jam-packed, but it was full. And mm-hmm. Fun event. Uh, Faith Middleton, Middleton does a food show, so she's very well-versed with food. His new book is called Bobby at Home. And these are, as the subtitle, Fearless Flavors from My Kitchen. And they're really great basic recipes. I haven't cooked anything out of it yet, but I plan to. Really basic recipes with no surprise or weird ingredients, which is good for me. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. If I see things I don't know what they are and too complicated, it turns me off. But this looks really good. Some of the advice he gave was that home cooks don't use enough heat when they're on the stovetop. He's like, you got to crank that flame, you got to put your stuff in and let it set. And don't flip anything or stir anything until it starts browning around the edges. Then you can flip or stir. Because it gives it flavor. Yeah, because he was just like, people play with the food too much while it's cooking. You got to, when you think it's time to turn it, count to 46 and then turn it is what he (laughs) said. so cute. Yeah, he was really funny. Um, Another thing he said too is that you want to go for different textures in your meal whatever it is so you want to have crunchy with soft and then contrasting flavors along with those contract uh, contrasting textures the only thing he said that needs to be taken off early is fish mm-hmm. and then he did say for a good chicken you do need to have it at a low heat and let it cook for much longer than you think it will need to cook because he has a brick chicken recipe yeah, that yeah. Faith Middleton was totally obsessed about. But fun event. 
so oh, personable. I'm so glad. It's the book is dedicated to his mom who passed away last year. Um, and again, he was just so charming and interesting and had been on like USA Today or something that morning and came in so busy. Yeah, busy guy. Yeah. yeah. So that was my one Biblio adventure and it was such a surprise but such a great time. Yeah, I'm so glad you went. When I saw you post that picture, I was so <laughs> pleasantly surprised. And then I said to Jim, because I think it was while well, we were on vacation, that event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said to Jim, um, who's Faith Middleton? Because I thought she was like a movie star. And I'm like, why would she be the moderator, you know, or, t- or in conversation with Bobby Flay? And then he said, you know, she's like a cooking personality. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, I've never heard of her. But I guess she's kind of local to Connecticut. Yes, so it yeah. makes sense that. Connecticut Public he, Radio. Yeah, yeah, I'd never heard of her. He said and, she has a radio show or you know yeah it was really funny because my first thought was like oh i have to call emily see if she wants to go but then i was like no she'll be gone gone. so how about you have you well you were i've gone on a lot of video adventures sadly without my partner in crime so i i ran up to hartford this was before vacation and went to books on pratt and finally met gene moore who we had on as an off in our author spotlight for her book, Tilda's Promise. And it was a sweet little event. You know, I'm still getting to know downtown Hartford because I volunteer at the public library down there. And this was just a few blocks from it. And um, it was sponsored by the Yukon Barnes & Noble, which is right downtown also. And when I was talking to the authors, they were saying like, Yukon set the tables up, they brought the books, they didn't have to, like a lot of these authors are used to schlepping their books Mm -hmm. and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was really well organized and very simple, just one block, you know, or actually it was like two blocks, but on this one street, lots of different kinds of books, you know, from cookbooks to historical fiction. The Mark Twain house had a really cool table set up. Yeah, you, said, you took some cool pictures yeah. that day, yeah. So it was really nice. I didn't have a ton of time to spend, but it was wonderful to meet Jean and a host of other authors and just to wander and see what a little downtown Hartford event could look like because it's a street that has no car traffic. Yeah. It's a pedestrian block. So yeah, that's really neat. And that's a block they film movies on. Oh, really? Yeah. they Their Hallmark is filming a Christmas movie there. and Because oh, it has the classic old storefront looking oh, right. things. And, yeah. 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 Yeah, so that was a fun event. And then I went to Martha's Vineyard. Nice. And found a bookstore that I had been there last year, but I didn't see this bookstore. It's it's in Vineyard Haven and it's called Bunch of Grapes, which I yeah. thought was a wine shop when I arrived, <laughs> I have to admit, when I saw the sign, you know, but then I'm thrilled to see that it was a bookstore. Really nice bookstore. Great selection. Really nice selection of cards too. Which I love. They have that New Yorker series of cards from, you know, the New Yorker comics, which Mm -hmm. I love. And they had a really nice, super sunny, like, bright upstairs that had the children's books and journals and, you know, sidelines and things like that. And really nice um, booksellers. And they were telling me that Martha's Vineyard has a book festival and it's every other year. Okay. So they just had it this year and they said, you know, really big heavy hitter authors come and it was a lot of fun. And there's a bookstore in um, Edgerton too. So they, both of those bookstores put on the event together. And there's also a book trail that they do and they gave me this cute little pin, which I'm looking around for. I must have left it at home. Mm. It reminded me of, you know how the public libraries do 
reading summer reading programs. Mm -hmm. This was kind of like that, that they have this book trail. They didn't describe it to me, but they gave me a pin and said, you know, you can pretend like you participated in the book trail. And it just says Martha's Vineyard book trail. And it involves different little indie bookstores that you go to through over the course of the summer. So I have to learn more about that and tell you guys I didn't get a chance to, to research it. And then when I got home, I went to the Connecticut Literary Festival, the first annual. Yeah, I'm bummed I couldn't attend that with you. Yeah, I was sorry you couldn't go also. And it was at the Real Artways, which is this cool building in downtown Hartford. I had been there once because they have a very nice little movie theater where they show independent films. Mm -hmm. So I've been there once to see a movie. They have great popcorn. Um, and then it also has enough space that they always have an art exhibit going on. Okay. And I think they might do some like live stage productions or poetry readings and things like that. But it was the first time they've done this. So they had, where they show the movies, they had um, a main author stage. And there were two authors that day. Sloane Crosley was one of them. What a name. I know. Sloane Crosley. And I didn't get to see her, which I'm so bummed because she's a humor writer. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure she would have been hilarious to see. And then Amy Bloom was there, who's local to where we live. And I did get to see her speaking. And she's just... She's so interesting and so smart, and she's very funny. I mean, she she had us laughing over and over. (laughs) They had um, a lot of little small presses and literary journals just kind of showing their wares and signing people up and, you know, just kind of informative. And then the Hartford Current was there with a booth and things like that. And then they had different little sections where people could read a section where different authors had 10 minutes to just read a portion of their book. And it was a lot because this went from like 10 in the morning till 6 o'clock at night. And then they had some poetry reading. And I got to see the Hartford Poet Laureate for the first time ever. There's a Hartford Poet Laureate. That's cool. Yeah. And his, what is his name? Oh, it's escaping me. Frederick Douglas Knowles II. Wow, that's also a name. Yeah, that is quite a name. And he read some really cool poetry. And then they have this cool little typewriter gallery (laughs) because Real Artways is in the building that used to house the Underwood Typewriter Company. That's neat. And so they had these little typewriters all over the place. And then they had a bowl of prompts to pick up to start a little story, and then you could hang your story in the room. Cute. Yeah, that was really cool. And then they had another gallery that had panels, and I did step in and hear a panel about um, a group of authors who have been chosen as finalists, I guess is the right word, for the Connecticut Center of the Books Award for the Spirit of Connecticut which is a new award they're handing out this year Hmm. to authors who kind of embody the spirit of Connecticut in their writing. Okay. So that was interesting. And those authors were Michael Bellinger, Catherine Weber, and Christopher Wigrin. The only complaint I had about the event is it's a building that's very high ceilings, and they had these different little, you know, gallery rooms for readings and stuff. It was really hard to hear. Yeah. Because there was just so much talking going on in all the different 
like in the center area and stuff like that. So I had to do my owl ears a lot yeah, to hear yeah. things. Um, but, and I was there for a couple hours and there were some cool food trucks out front and things like that. So I'm hoping that they continue it. Good. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. I look forward to keeping our eye out for next year. Yeah. I was a little disappointed because I'm continuing my stalking of Julia Pistel, who is yeah. one of the hosts of the Literary Disco podcast. And she had posted on Facebook that she was going to be there. So You didn't see her? No, no I Julia searched. Spotting. No oh. Julia spotting. So the, my, my search continues. All right. You'll get her. <laughs> I will. You'll eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Adventures. Upcoming adventures. I have a bit of a list here. Um, I do have the previously mentioned Willa Gather Book Club coming up on October 17th at 2 p.m. This is going to be our first time meeting at the Wood Memorial Library Museum in South Windsor, Connecticut, thanks to Cindy of uh, Book Club On The Go and Wood Memorial partnering together to host us. So I'm really looking forward to that. And what day is that? It's a Thursday, the October 17th. Okay. There's the Boston Book Festival. I know. That's also coming up. Gosh, what day is that? It's October 19th. It's the 19th. It's a yeah. Saturday. Um, so I would love to make it. I'm not sure yet if I'll be able to or not. I do want to go up to Boston sometime this month still, but I might go during a weekday. We'll have to see. I know. I would, really like I've would. i wanted to get to that festival since I moved here. I really want to go. I did go to the... Boston Antiquarian Book Fest last year, which was cool to see yeah. that. But this one is for living writers who are <laughs> currently producing works and whatnot. So we'll see. There is also a cool event happening at the Beinecke Library at Yale. It's called Walden's Carbon Footprint. It's October 23rd. And that's going to be a panel discussion of, from what it sounds like, the resources to create the book Walden. Oh, Which interesting. is an interesting, I think, if, if that's what it is going to be, it will be an interesting take. Where do they do a panel discussion at the Meineke? They have, uh, you know, the sides when you walk in, you know, there's a huge stack and you go upstairs on the mezzanine level. Yeah. They have chairs there. Oh, okay. Because everything there is kind of movable, a lot of those okay. displays, so they'll put up chairs. I think they're quite often, when you walk in, they're to the left up there. Okay. Because the Beinecke, for those of you who haven't been to the Beinecke, it's this beautiful, modern-looking building on Yale campus, which is unusual. It stands out. And the walls are made from this beautiful granite. So on a sunny day, it almost glows. Yeah. It's just fantastic. But when you walk in, the center is this glass-enclosed, just stacks of books. Five stories of yeah. glass-enclosed books, yeah. So that's why that's I was asking impressive. that, yeah. what might have sounded like a ridiculous question, because yeah. it just seems, I didn't know if they had, like, a secret room where they do, you know, yeah. have discussions. Yeah, no, there is in the public space, and this is all accessible to the public, too, yeah. by the way. Um, that mezzanine level has displays ongoing. Yeah. Um, they have, like, the Gutenberg Bible on display that's always there, but then in the Audubon book, they have one there as well. Those are kind of permanent displays, but then the other displays change out seasonally. I'm not sure how they decide how long an exhibit will stay. Yeah. Um, but then they have a, these regular ongoing talks during the school year. Anything else? Well, we have a joint jaunt yes. coming up on October 26th, and that's the um, Hachette Book Day yes. in New York that we've both been really looking forward to attending. 
Some of our Booktopia friends have attended in years past and really enjoyed this event. So it'll be our first time going. It's a day of just talking about books, right? I think Sally Fields is going to be the main author talking about her memoir. In Pieces. In Pieces. Yeah. Um, and I, they sent everybody a copy of the book beforehand, yeah. which I would like to read before. It's on my shelf. I've been holding it yeah. for you as you move. <laughs> um, <laughs> should have brought it for you today. Yeah. And now, are there other authors who talk? or she? Yeah, no, okay, there's a, a bunch a of authors. Bunch of authors. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess we leave with a tote bag filled with books. Yay. So we'll be reporting back on that. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And then I also just wanted to give a shout out to the uh, Dewey's 24-hour readathon. They do that twice a year, and the next one is October 26th. It's also a Saturday. So that usually starts 8 a.m. Eastern Time Saturday to 8 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday. And it starts the same time around the world. So if you're on, you know, in the different part of the world, you might be starting in the evening. Um, but that's just a lot of fun to, to read and share things on social media and so you'll get some train reading that day. I will, yeah. indeed, yes. <laughs> but you won't get to give the whole day over to no, you, sadly. Yeah. I won't, but that's okay, because yes. we'll be together doing a joint. That's job. right, doing a joint. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Spread rumors. <laughs> so what's on your list? I have, um, in addition to the Hachette Book Brunch, which I'm so excited about, the Charleston to Charleston book event, which is, or book festival, I guess I should say, which is in Charleston, South Carolina, November 7th through the 10th. I'm really looking forward to going. I'm going to meet up with some Booktopia buddies that I've been friends with since Booktopia Santa Cruz in 2012. That's great. Yeah, and there's a host of authors that will be there. Uh, Maybe I'll report a little closer to November, give a list of who they are. And I just, I can't wait to go. I had these grandiose notions that I was going to drive down and visit Jacob in Philadelphia on the way and then go the week before and go to the Pat Conroy Literary Festival. And then I got realistic and bought a plane ticket (laughs) last week because I realized... That's not going to happen. So so I will be flying in and out, but I am looking forward to going. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So upcoming reads. Upcoming reads. I was the proud winner of our friend Sue's challenge, her big book summer reading challenge. She blogs about books at Book by Book, and she also reviews uh, books professionally. So I participated in her big book summer challenge where you read books of 400 pages or more. And she always gives a gift card randomly at the end. And I was a lucky winner. So I got an Amazon gift card and I spent it on The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. That is such a cool cover. cover? It's got like a black snake. Yeah, it's black and white and the snake kind of snakes through the title and her, her name and it shimmers when you move it around. This book is getting so much great buzz. So many fantastic authors have blurbed it, including, unfortunately, Stephen King. (laughs) I dare say I heard you say, I'm never reading a book blurbed by Stephen King again. I saw him tweeting about it the other day, and I was like, damn, I love Stephen King's novels, hands down. He's a fantastic writer, but he has misled me a couple times on book recommendations. Yeah. Um, but I'm super looking forward to this book. It takes place in New Haven. This is the one I mentioned a couple episodes ago. It takes place in New Haven. It's a young woman who's been recruited by Yale 
because apparently she can see ghosts and she's investigating their secret societies. I cannot wait. I'm going to finish The Professor's House, Free Food for Millionaires, and then sink into that book. Right on. Yeah. That's great. I have um, one that came to me in kind of a funny way, which is um, when we're done finishing up an episode and it airs, we put a bunch of stuff out on social media and we do a lot of shout outs. And I try to shout out on using different, you know, authors, Twitter handles and Instagram and Facebook, etc. And I research, I go to an author's webpage to find out what, what they are. And I went, when Alyssa talked about that host of romance authors that are going to be at KissCon, one of them, I went to her webpage, saw the Twitter handle, and then sh- shouted out to that Twitter handle and got a lovely email back <laughs> from the author, Susan Holloway Scott, saying... We used to, I think it was Lorraine Chase, I think was the author's name. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Lorraine and I used to share this Twitter handle because it's about like two authors. I can't remember the handle. Okay. But we don't, in fact, do it anymore. But I listened to your podcast and loved it. And can I send you a copy of my book? That's awesome. <laughs> so she did. And that was a long wind up to the title, which is The Secret Wife of Aaron Burr. It's a historical fiction novel about you know based on the wife of Aaron Burr who was um who's gotten a lot more press lately because of the play Hamilton Mm -hmm. right so I don't know anything about it but it's gotten really good press I'm really excited that she sent me a copy and I'm hoping to dig into it soon very cool yeah and thank you, Susan, for <laughs> figuring out who we were so we could figure out who you are. That's great. And then the other book I have on my list is um, not coming out until 2020. I think we've mentioned it several times already, but I really do want to treat myself and dig into oh. it. American Dirt by J- Janine Cummins. I did bring it um, on vacation. It does have a huge blurb by Stephen King on the cover. I defy anyone to read the first seven pages of this book and not finish it. That's what I Stephen King so says. I so want to read that book. Yeah. And this is the one they're saying they were comparing when we were at Book Expo to it's the grapes of wrath for our generation mm-hmm. or something. You know, I shouldn't say our generation, this generation. Yeah. Whatever. C- current times. Current times. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And uh, it, but it doesn't come out until January 2020. Okay. So this is a tease, but... People are raving about it. This is the one when I went to see Bianca Murray at Wesley and RJ's. She recommended two books, and this was one of them. So, yeah. American Dirt, Janine Cummins. Come in January. Come in January. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, think that's it. Another episode in the can, as that's they say. Right. Happy, Happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.